0: Welcome to the Guide Sessions, a podcast where we talk about stories of adventure as told by the guides who experience them. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. If you like what you hear, Feel free to rate and subscribe. Before we get into the episode, I want to take a minute to talk about the Guide Sessions Consulting and Media Services. That's right, the Guide Sessions is not just a podcast anymore. The Guide Sessions is now the gateway to your next adventure. So please, contact me. Let me help you chase your dream. Additionally, The Guide Sessions Media provides a wide variety of photography and videography services. So head on over to the website, theguidesessions.com, for all the details. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to be notified of any cancellation hunts or trips to save some money on your next adventure. Happy October, everyone. The weather's starting to turn cold here in Pennsylvania, which means our whitetail bucks are starting to move around. Get some more active red activity with the scrapes. But uh, which also means most of the archery elk seasons out west are wrapped up. Uh, So those who were successful, congrats. And most states out there, October means uh, bringing on the rifles. So I've already seen a few already hit the ground so far. So great job everyone out there. However, this episode has nothing to do with whitetails or elk. We are headed north of the border into Canada to talk remote fishing with Emily Head of Slippery Winds Wilderness Lodge. She spends her summers on the lake, chases waterfowl in the fall, and then drills holes in the ice during the winter. Emily is a blast to talk with, and her exciting personality really comes through during the conversation. On this episode, we cover everything from entertaining clients to adapting to the conditions to target different species. This is a great conversation that you do not want to miss. It's Emily Head talking with me on the Guide Sessions Podcast. Okay, we are live today on the show. We've got Emily Head, who is a fishing and waterfowl guide Slippery with Slippery Winds up in Canada. Emily, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, giving me a call.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally stoked about this. I've kind of been following you for a little bit on social and you got quite an adventure that you got going up there in Canada in terms of fishing and waterfowl. I mean, you do it year round, you know, ice fish and you do it all.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it definitely was something when I first started guiding, everyone said to me, it's a dream job, but for summer fishing. It's only going to be, you know, three months. So I figured, well, the first, after doing my first contract, I was like, that's way too much fun. It's not going to work too in such a short time for me. So I uh, started reaching out to other places to try to fill up the rest of my year
0: yeah so like really how long have you been doing it then
1: so this is uh so i've been guiding now for five years and uh i started guiding actually i went to uh, went to college twice silly me i went for hotel hospitality management right out of high school you know my parents you know you got to pick something got to go and right of course i paid for it but uh anyway so i worked in i paid i figured it was general i could learn some business some hospitality etc i knew i liked working with the public and then Long story short sold boats worked for a snowmobile company some snowmobiles and then ended up uh going back to school for a fish and wildlife technician um i really i just knew i had to be outside you know i love selling boats but i was in an office too much and so i went back for that and someone said to me well once again working you know a couple jobs to pay for it all someone said why don't you start guiding you know you take everyone out fishing or you just go by yourself and I didn't, know, really, that was the thing. I was like, I thought you had to be like, you know, live on the lake to do it or whatever. I didn't even figure in anyway. So I applied to more lodges and I'd probably like to admit with a lot of places telling me that they didn't ever have a female guide or didn't Mm -hmm. intend to ever want to have one. And so I was shut down, but you know, I'm a farm kid, I had a lot of working experience outside, you know, it's welding experience, you know, boating, you name it survival. So eventually I found a place and it kind of went from there.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's great because with being uh you know, just being a female in the outdoor industry, you don't see it. And actually as I've kind of developed into this podcast, I'm actually seeing more and more of it and actually and I think it's great because I got two daughters and yeah, you know, I got one daughter has could care less about the outdoors and the other one's really starting to ramp up and get into it. But yeah. uh it, it's good to have examples like yourself out there for all the other little girls that, that wanna be here in in the outdoor space, so it's great.
1: That makes me feel so happy because, like for myself, I actually was a, a motocross racer. I raced dirt bikes from. I started riding when I was two because my parents were both pro racers. Growing up on a farm, we had a track, and so I started riding when I was two, and then racing when I was probably ten. You know, when I was old enough to kind of have be able to contribute, whatever. And then uh, I ended up uh, doing that my whole life, but I broke my back when I was seventeen oh. practicing for. Uh, for a motocross race and so i always liked to fish when i was a kid you know but no one in my family does it you know no grandparents no uncle's aunts no one so you know my dad would take me over we'd go to a cottage or camping we'd go in like a paddle boat or off the end of the dock you know he didn't know what he was doing but he'd help me out but anyway and so i figured i'm just gonna fish more now that uh now that uh i'm recovering from this injury and kind of you know i always never caught anything and that's what my clients always say they're like <laughs> You're a good guy because you're used to, like, not catching anything. You know, I didn't grow up, like, with my dad, like, being like, hold the rod, catch it, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm used to going everywhere, and there's probably not even fish in the river, you know?
0: So, <laughs> Just fishing mud puddles there. on the side of the road.
1: Yeah, literally. That was me, literally. <laughs> but it's, like, it's it, it taught me a lot, you know? Because it's, like, it makes you be patient rather than it's, like, I feel bad for my clients. So they bring their kids out. First trip, it's, like, first fish is a 27-inch walleye. I see the kids, like, this is not what fishing is normally like, you Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so
0: that's awesome So with uh a lot of your fishing, are you fishing like pu- public water? Like is it a lodge with public water on a big lake or
1: Yeah, so all of our all of our water in Canada, like everything's public. Like and in a lot of uh where we we work, it's all crown land. So if you're a resident, you can go camp there, fish there, you know, boat there. Like it's all open, but it's really hard to access, you know, like for us, where I work in the summer, it's a fly-in lodge. You fly in from uh, International, Forth, uh, International Falls, Fort Francis, excuse me, and then uh, into the lodge there. And then we have six other lakes that you can portage in from kind of the two main lakes sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, so there are there are other people that can get in there, I guess, but very rare. The only other people you'll see are uh, a local flying in with their plane to just check a trapping cabin or something, and, you know, they just – just kind of checking on things and leaving. So
0: yeah. So what's the season up there though? Like how long does it last?
1: So for us, it's slippery. Um, it's quite a short season. Um, we start around mid May around the, we try to get into camp around the 8th of May if we can, but this year there's, there's still ice and snow all over the lakes and, and the roads. And so luckily I have some friends that live in the area that were able to tell us, like, you guys don't want to do this yet. So we went in on the 13th, 13th this year. But, uh, we'll run until like, I'd say the second week of August or so. And, uh, the reason being is the owner of the camp has two other lodges. He has minor bay out on Wollaston and, um, he also has, um, Casca goose hunting lodge up on Hudson's Bay. And so he has his obligations and, uh, Darryl, my boyfriend and I were waterfowl guides and we have to, you know, the season opens the first of September in Alberta. So. We kind of have to get going as well you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. it gives us time to shut the camp down and put all the boats away et cetera, And
0: yeah get all the the, the, the ending stuff clean up put in a maintenance you know make sure make sure fine. things are going to run yeah. the, the next the next season so you're all ready to go
1: yeah exactly yeah and uh yeah dealing with this yeah just trying to deal with everything and put it away the best you can exactly because if i remember having that mentality when i first started guiding well we'll just pack away it will be fine well guess what when you go back next year you don't you hate yourself the year before if it's all a mess so. right
0: yeah if you don't put it away neat and tidy and yeah. you know take care of all the maintenance on all the boat motors and yeah. everything like that you're like man this thing's not gonna start now
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah especially like i don't know we the equipment up there like it's just so rugged and everything gets put through so much uh beating so it's like you definitely have to uh try to stay up to date with the maintenance even if that means you know rewelding the vice grips on the shifter or whatever you know whatever you got to do to keep up with maintenance, keep it running.
0: Vice grips on the shifter. (laughs) Whatever works. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All those spines on the shaft are just like, wore right down and you know, the shifter it's like round and round. It's the stupidest thing. And so it's just sliding. So I was like, I'll just clamp a pair of vice grips on there and then it worked good. But I was like, this is a permanent solution.
0: (laughs) So you just weld them on there. That's great. There's a tip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, So as far as, you know, taking people fishing, I mean, because you probably fish with people from all ages, you know, grandfathers to fathers to to kids. Uh, If you were to have anybody come out and fish with you, like, what are some of the things that you see where that I want to say that they struggle with, or it's a common thing that you're like, oh man, you know, try this or try that. Like, Like, where do you help them out the
1: most? So I would say most of a lot of the guests I have, they are quite green because to be able to get the money to go on that trip, they're working all the time, you know, they don't have time to go out and fish every day and whatever. And so I would say, um, say a lot of the times it's just kind of teaching the techniques that we're currently using, um, showing them, you know, the proper way to use those techniques per se in the situation we're doing. But I would say like, The number one thing, and it it actually hurts clients because people want to hold on to like, I know everyone wants to be knowledgeable. Everybody wants to go in and, you know, feel like, oh, I, you know, everyone knows I'm a good angler and whatever, you know, like, it's like that ego part of it. Like, heck, even myself. Yeah, everybody's got that ego. Yeah, exactly. But like, I find it kills the guest experience sometimes. And uh, because they don't want to listen to the current techniques being used. Sometimes when we're fishing for walleye, you can throw as many hard body baits or as many plastics as you want they want that jig and a minnow or the slip bobber and the leech that's the only two things they want and and i'll literally have guests so stubborn that the one guy in the boat goes i've never fished emily Just set me up do whatever you want to do you know show me what to do give them a demo how to jig get them going they're boom 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 they're happy they're good i keep them on the fish other guy who's like the big fisherman he's catching nothing because he refuses to just go with what works, you know? And it's not, I say to him, I'm not saying that because I want you to do it my way. It's not my way. It's mother nature's way. This is what, how mother nature wants us to do it. So, right. you know, I say, I, I notice a perfect example of that a perfect example is when I guide for lake trout in the winter in Manitoba. Like those lake trout, they can be fussy. They are a different way to fish. It is not like walleye fishing, dropping that jig right in front of that walleye face super micro jigs trying to trigger a bite when you're fishing for lake trout in 90 feet of water as soon as you get a mark you reel in you try to get that bait as quick and as fast out of that out of his face as you can so that he chases it because they'll hit it on the chase so so many guests will sit there their buddies catching you know 12 you know 15 in the day summer up to 36 38 inches he's had a goose egg because sees the laker coming he's trying to jig it up it's like no as soon as you see a lake trout reel as fast and hard as you can. And that thing, and you'll catch them, you know? So like I said, it's just the getting over kind of old, old, uh, old things, you know, and like, you know, willing to learn and blah, blah, blah. So that's definitely the thing that hurts people the most. Always listen to your guide. Like, and even if you have an idea, like I never dismiss anything. Like I've had guests pull up the wackiest looking thing being like, can we do this? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, let's try it for a little bit. You never know but at the end of the day, like we know what works and we know how you're going to catch fish because we see it every day. So, you know, it's your trip though. Not mine. I'm not going to argue with you. You know, I'll argue with you a little bit because I'm stubborn, but <laughs> right. if you don't want to listen, that's on you, you know, and don't say your guide sucks.
0: Right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Because a lot of times you'll see that yeah, I as talking with the other guides, it's the same thing overall where it's that's the be listen to your guide because we know what's going on out there we know what's going to work we know what's not going to yeah. work you know you as you know now i'm not i'm a fisherman but i'm not like any kind of guide but like i know like there's certain things that you only use in certain times a year and you know i'm not going to use that if it's working in the spring it's most likely not going to work in the fall because things are changing
1: exactly and like for me like since i've been on that lake like and luckily i was able to get Well, not luckily, but I was able to have two years with COVID with no guests because we're Americans only. So I fished myself every day, you know, even if it was just for an hour after work, you know, but I noticed like, I am very, very, very careful with my temperature changes. And like this year we had a late spring. And so everyone is like, oh, well, in June, I start throwing top water. I'm like, well, guess what guys, the water is still only 68 degrees. You know, they're still, they're still deep. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I try to tell people like, don't. Think of it as times of year because that will kill you. Like, look at it scientifically. Like, don't think like a fisherman, think like a biologist. Know that when that water starts hitting anywhere between 62 to 65, they're going to be moving into those beds and they're going to be up shallow. You know, like if you know that critical information into your research, like you'll constantly be on fish. Like, I, I, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's science. You know, it's not that lucky lure at that lucky spot. You know, you got to, be with it and be very observant and make sure you're, you know, changing techniques as needed, you know.
0: It's yeah, I mean, it,
1: or else it, you're not catching anything.
0: Exactly. I think that's a big I can't say a misconception but a, a thing of a lot of people that fish don't understand is really to pay attention to the water. The water temperature really dictates a lot of what a fish is going to do.
1: Yep, water temperature is my number one thing. I always look at temperature and then after I assess temperature then I'm gonna assess structure and cover and all of those things if need be. But like I said, the first thing I always do is I'll check and see temperature of the water and temperature of my day. Like every, and it's hard because every lake is different obviously, but out at Slippery, it sounds insane. But as soon as it's nine o'clock and it's bright and sunny and hot, I move to my deep, my deep uh, Nyad weed beds and I'm crushing walleye with my guests midday when everyone else is going back to go sleep during the day because the fishing sucks you know but meanwhile we've been doing 40 50 walleye days that are all over 25 inches hot hot 30 degrees bright sun no wind but you just need to adjust your fishing technique to you know to do so like you know i'm not going to fish that condition the same as i'm going to fish it when it's say in the evening and it's cooled off or you know early early morning and it's and it's a dark dark sky like it's just you need to be very, you need to pay attention. And that took me obviously like the longest time and I'm still learning, you know, every time I go out, you notice you learn a little change, you go, you know,
0: yeah. Do you now, are you like a note keeper? Like, do you have a book and be like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, here's the temperature this day. This is what we caught. this. Is what works This is what didn't work. And you kind of go back and research.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I do that. Like, uh, but honestly, my notes used to be so much more detailed. Like I would even like, flora and fauna that i noticed popping up around that time i'd be like oh like you know the purple irises are popping when i'm having a good day doing this and then i noticed i was adding way too many things It like it was just like rocket science so now like what i'll do is i'll just do a quick summary water temperature things that worked, things that didn't and then basically the result and then and it's too for memories because i hate when guests are like remember that time we did this and you're like well, I was really sleep deprived and I was on day 90 of work straight. <laughs> so no, I don't remember that, you know,
0: but let me get back <laughs> you know, to my notebook. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let me go back to my diary. Yeah. That's, but like I said, it's good to, especially like when I go to new places, I definitely like will really, really keep it on. But like, like, no, I, I can't say knock on wood. Cause like the guide season's over, but like mm-hmm. at slippery every day was, a was a pretty dialed day. Like I don't think I had a day that was bad, but that was cause of the late spring, you nah. know, it was, it would bless
0: me this year so with all the different species that you guys target up there do you guys kind of like throw baits that are specific for that fish or do you or you just kind of you know because like you're saying if your lakes are deeper and then your walleyes are in the shallows but like i mean because you guys cross into bass and, and pike so do you like when you get into the bass and the pike is it more just like uh like like so an op- in general yeah like, yeah, an, op- yeah, like yeah, an like I an mean, opportunity catch kind of deal or like retargeting that kind of stuff
1: I know exactly what you mean so yeah so like i have areas within the, the lake the main lake isn't even that long it's only like seven miles or so but i have micro spots within the lake where i know they're gonna there's gonna be pikes sitting in that weed better i know there's gonna be bass here but like what i'll do is it all depends on my client like we'll, we'll have like a team meeting and we'll be like hey listen like what's the goal here and i have guys that like I even if the conditions don't don't Make it happen. I really want to, you know, go on my ultralight jig for walleye and do this. And I'm like, okay, perfect, you know. And then, but I say them, but just so you know, like, we're probably not going to get any bass and, you know, off these walleye reefs. Oh, no, but that's not what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I have clients that say just want numbers and they want to just, you know, have a really good killer first day, like, I'll definitely take that opportunity of the multi species and throw on something like a husky jerk and whip by a walleye reef catch a walleye and then hit, you know, just beside that weed line of where all the pikes sit and be able to pull a pike out of there. And so, yeah, we definitely, like, if you're smart, you can try to utilize like the different little micro spots with your baits and get a few, you know, but p- primarily it's all specifically targeting. Like I only one time this season, was it just like a let's throw on a bait and troll around And I had kids and they, one of them was sleeping. So
0: <laughs> you know what I need? Right. So yeah so as far as say like some of the setups like do you have like a favorite setup like a go-to for any of the certain species or you just kind of like because obviously there's not like a one-all catch-all of of like put this on i'm gonna catch a fish every time but like do you have some that like surprised you like man i'm surprised this works sometimes but like this is or this is really my go-to kind of deal
1: yeah so like i would say like I have a, like I have a medium light Rapala R type that I just put on like 15 pound braid and then I'll tie like uh, fluorocarbon leaders. Just uh, judging by what I'm doing, you know what I mean. If I'm if I'm uh, going for walleye, I'll throw on you know a six pound test. If I'm going for bass, I'll, I'll throw on a heavier one, a 12 pound or whatever. But I notice like that medium, medium light spinning rod with the, that, that you know that heavier braid, that 15, 20 pound braid that's my go-to combo because like i said i just customize customize my leader to to as thin or you know as thick as i want it and uh and that's kind of really you can get everything done with that like you know i used to be a huge i used to always fish with the bait caster no matter what and then as soon as i started guiding and you know, always jigging for wall and stuff well that is not going to work you know so mm-hmm. but i would say that but like for for myself like I would say I always keep like a medium light or I personally like an ultra light for walleye I think it's really fun like something super light for walleye and jigging and and, you know even bass and then have you know a medium heavy bait caster in the boat for if you want to do pike or muskie, you know but guys always think well and girls we always think we need to go crazy and get you know six rods and have this and have that but I say to the guys like you know it's we're not racing against a time for a tournament we can bring less clutter in the boat two rods three rods each and just it's fine you know yeah you
0: don't you don't need to if a fish rises over there you don't you don't need you're not dropping the jig rod and then throwing top water in three seconds (laughs)
1: so we're not getting a paycheck only only one getting a paycheck is me so you know we don't need to worry about her too much you know yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um as far as kind of getting in the rods a little bit in terms of like if you get guys who don't know how to fish or have never fished before like what's the easiest way that you found to like teach somebody even how like how to cast
1: so i so the number one thing is i always pump their confidence so as soon as i don't let them be timid like i'm like like oh i don't know i'm like you got this i'm like i was like six throwing this thing in the tree it's fine you know i'm like if you mess up great you know it's so like definitely like first of all instill tons of confidence in them. And second of all, like I am so blessed to be on Rapla Canada Pro Staff and we're now with 13 Fishing. And so the boys will be so nice and send me like some demos and some extra rods for guiding and stuff that I can give to my clients to use. Of course, that's, you know, huge for me because then back with the days buying rods, you know, you're cringing when they're oh, yeah. throwing it overboard, whatever. <laughs> but like I said, but I would say the, the number one thing I, I would do is I go with the fish species that obviously I know is the best at that time. So, um, even if, you know, spawning bass are hard to catch, however, you see a lot of them and you get a lot of action, right? So I'll, uh, typically kind of start with something I know that they're going to have the most success with and, uh, and just be really, really patient and, uh, explain to them, you know, and, and I don't give them all the information at once. You know, I'll, I'll do, I'll show them a demo. All right, walleye jigging, super simple guys. What we're going to do, you know, open the bill, drop it down. See how the lines all loose sitting at the top. I'm like, that means we're sitting on bottom. I said, and I tell the guys when you're reeling in the slack, bring simultaneously, bring your rod tip down. So that as soon as all your slack is picked up, your rod tip is at the tip of the water. Then as high as you lift your rod tip is as high as that jig is going off the bottom. Gives you a perfect visual and then you're not sitting on bottom by accident because you're not gonna sit there with your rod tip down you're gonna sit with it at a 90 right mm-hmm. you're sitting there with the 90 it's that perfect eight inches off bottom you know and so i tell the guys just dead stick it keep it really really smooth and steady and i get them really pumped i have one of those garmin live scopes so as soon as i mark a fish i get them pumped and i'll be like okay jig. okay stay right there okay drop down a tiny bit and then boom, you know, like it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I had so many clients this year that never even fished before that caught some amazing trophies, but they, they did it themselves. Cause they listen, you know, mm-hmm.
0: that, uh, listen, that goes back to you know? listen to the guide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. One of my most successful guests this year, he, his name was Colin and uh, he came with his grandpa and his uh, great uncle. He never fished before and he caught he caught so many fish, I couldn't even couldn't even believe it. Such a clever young man, just listened, applied, and uh focused, you know. And he was great. Like, yeah, he caught more so, than anyone.
0: That's awesome, you know, because yeah. to get that experience for somebody for their first time. Now they're kind of spoiled oh, at the yeah. same time. <laughs> you know, they are yeah. gonna go home, but I'm gonna I get a fish. Uh,
1: yeah, I asked. Her, I said, Colin, are you gonna fish now when you get home?" He goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> you no. Know, so,
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, I'm not going to fish at all. I'm only going to come no, fish here. No, he
1: goes, no, I'll just wait till grandpa takes me on the next trip. I'm like, boy, that's smart.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so kind of with that as well, like what are some of the bad habits that you see from like experienced people that you're just like, you kind of cringe him like, Oh man, I, how can I correct this kind of deal?
1: Oh my gosh. So I would say number one is like, people are so hot and heavy. Like they, they just, they're so panicked. They just want to get down there so fast and they just want to, and then they just miss, they just are not paying attention. They're wanting to get that jig down so fast and they're quickly trying to rip it off. Well, guess what? You just pulled all the weeds up off the bottom, ripped your minnow off. You know, mm-hmm. like you just need to like slow down, think about it, calm down. Like, you know, like just take your time with it and like, and, and don't like, you know, like, especially I would say the walleye fishing is a good example, like Setting the hook, like I say to the guys, like listen, like I know we watch on TV these bass guys just going insane. I'm like, but like we just don't need ripping to do lips,
0: that. just just bending over backwards, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, we don't need to do that. Like, of course it's good to set the hook. I'm like, but we are legally allowed to fish with barbs in Ontario, so you don't need to go insane. You end up losing so many. Like the guys, what they'll do is they never check their drag because it's just set from the last trip because they're so excited to fish. Any fish that even is worth catching when they set the hook like that, they just rip it right out of its mouth or bend that hook right straight. You know what I mean? When it's a fish even big enough to catch, they set themselves, you know, like it's, it's one of those things.
0: Yeah. They're ripping minnows out of the water, throwing it, throwing it to the other side of the boat.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's just like, it's just, it's, I just say to them, like, listen, just like calm down a bit and like, just kind of, you know, just give it a good feeling and just wait a second, take that extra second if you need it to even, you know, take the extra second to set the hook and take that extra second to fight that fish. And just, cause for me as a guide, it sucks when the guys, they catch a fish and two seconds later, KK come on, hook it. It's like, it's still green. I'm going to get a hook in my hand. Just fight it for like two seconds, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I spent all morning trying to get you on these darn things. <laughs> and it's like, enjoy it for like more than five seconds. Okay? Right. Enjoy
0: the fight a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you, you kind of mentioned there having a hook in your hand. Like how many times have you had to dig hooks out of you or somebody else?
1: Um, A lot. A lot. Uh, I, probably, I More than I could probably count. Like I still have a big scar on my shin. I kind of long story short, I don't really like spiders. Like small ones are fine, but like the big dog spiders, I just don't like those. And I had one on my neck and it was, oh. I didn't realize. And so anyway, I threw it off and my guests, you know, they're all like, Oh, look how big it was. And so I panicked. So I always wear bibs when I'm guiding this reason, I took my bibs off and I was wearing shorts because I was like, the spiders are in my pants, you know? And two seconds later, my guest hooks up on a small pike and I said, do not bring that in the boat. Like, just wait two seconds. I'm just going to hop to the front, grab my pliers and just like, because it was just a cluster, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, he flips it in the boat and it's bouncing all over the floor and I go to walk past it to grab my pliers on the front deck and it flips up and it lands the treble right in my shin and it's spinning my... Shin skin like an ice cream cone, and I guess the first thing they do is they pull their phones out to start taking a video because they think it's the coolest thing (laughs) for Facebook. And I'm like, (laughs) put your phones down. Somebody grab this rod, open the bail. You know, someone else can, you know, move out of the way. Like, and you know, so anyway, the hook was buried in my shin, and so I, uh, I, I determined the the line pop out method it was not going to work because of the angle it was in, and so Mm. I ended up having to just kind of bite my Invisalign and, and, and punch it through my shin to get the barb through. And once I was able to get the barb through, I was able to cut it and then thread it back through the way it came. But, uh, the guys are like moving and I'm like trying to pull this hook out of my leg. You're just
0: rocking in the boat. I'm
1: like, (laughs) can we just like sit down and wait for five seconds so I can get this out of my leg. And so I pulled it out of my leg and it took me about 10 minutes, got it out and kept going. But we've had so many instances, like I've had to drive guests to the hospital for they'll cut the the shank of the hook like they'll get hooked and instead of cutting like the split ring or taking like leaving the whole hook in they'll cut like the like the the kind of the bend of the treble. and then what it'll do is when that when that barb is in the skin it, it pulls it in and then it's lost like it just yeah it, just
0: it goes away in. yeah
1: <laughs> exactly so there's nothing to you can't punch it you, you have to go to the hospital to get it cut out so you know i've seen it. Happen. it happens a lot you know like it's it happens a lot but if you're careful and like like I said, make sure the guests like somewhat try to fight the fish for a substantial amount of time. Then it lessens your chances, you know, of, of getting hooked. But I personally have never gotten one in in uh, the hand when I've been guiding, which mm-hmm. I've gotten them um, everywhere else inside the head and the legs and the arms, but the only time in the hand I've ever gotten one was when I'm just messing around myself, you yourself. know, carrying a tackle box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like,
0: how's it happen if like, if it doesn't happen, like, when you're grabbing the fish does it happen when they're casting or like or like when the fish comes to the boat and it so, like spits the hook and it comes the bait comes flying out of nowhere or...
1: yeah so co- exactly like combination so when guys don't look when they cast you know you're standing behind the guy trying to tie on a bait for his buddy you know what i mean you're not kind of in your spot and they don't look on their back cast and you just go and whip it and it gets caught you know in your hat, uh, in your yeah head and, or in your shoulder like i've had one in front of my shoulder before like that'll happen or the biggest time that I notice it'll happen is when guys don't open their bales. So you net their fish, there's troubles everywhere. And the first thing as a guest you need to do is open your bail, because if you're holding on your rod and there's still tension and I go to grab that fish and I'm pulling these hooks out, as soon as I get the last hook, it's going to try to bounce. Ba- it's going to bounce. Cause it's under tension. And then that's how you typically will get them, you know, in the wrist, the hands, whatever. Cause, so I always tell the guys like, even if I sound like I'm being a little grumpy per se, like open the veil because I don't want to get stuck with the hook, you know? Yeah. Like, cause, net, Cause everything's under tension. I don't have to fight it anymore, yeah.
0: You know? It's all under tension. It's just a giant spring. Just went into fire.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I say, I'm like, please, like if you like your guide, if you love your guide, like just please open your veil. Cause then there's no risk of me, you know, <laughs> it'll just get caught in my rubber net and then that's perfect. You know? So
0: yeah. Like if you like your guide and you want to keep fishing, this is what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
1: because i know a lot of guys that'll just be like oh you hooked me okay time to go back you know what i mean and right i mean if it's out they're still gonna take the day but <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah so like so you kind of mentioned there like you've actually done that whole like fishing line technique like press the barb and i've never had yeah. to do that but like I don't know. I've, I've heard horror stories of like people doing it and be like, and like and not working. And then they're like, oh, that hurts so bad to do it. And they're like, well, can I try it again? I'm like, well, yeah. And then like it doesn't work again. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, okay. I love those videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're just like, no, no, we're done doing that. <laughs> I guess yeah, look at well, the hospital. Honestly,
1: like everyone loves that technique because they always saw on YouTube and they see it, you know, it's, but it's one of those things where like certain circumstances, it's it's a godsend. But like if you have it, like, jam, you know, the hook is all twisted and jammed right in your skin. Like there's no way, like I still have a big long scar from trying to do it the first time. Cause it just ended up just ripping my skin. You know what mm. I mean? But, uh, but I would say it sounds crazy, but for me personally, I notice when it comes to like injuries or getting hooked or whatever, if I can do it myself, that's so much better than like, I won't let anyone touch me. You know what I mean? Like if someone goes, I'll try to get the hook out, like get me a mirror get me some pliers and I'll just it's easier to do it to yourself than to have someone else touch it in my opinion. Like, right. I Maybe yeah. other people might not agree, but I just rather do it myself.
0: Yeah. That's why a lot of fishing I do is trout fishing and it's, and when it's all barbless hooks. So like when it does get stuck in me, I'm just like, Oh, and like, I think my kid's <laughs> fishing and you know, and they get stuck in their finger. I'm like, just pull it out. There's no barb on there. You're good.
1: <laughs> you yeah. Know? I really, you know, where I guide where it's barbless, it's really, really, really nice, you know, because that's exactly it. It, it, it gets in there. But the only thing, that i noticed that really sucks is when you're fishing somewhere barbless but you pinched your barbs and then it just has that like little you know yeah, what i mean that, that little, little bit of nub
0: yeah yeah enough
1: to get it so hung up and you're like oh my goodness like <laughs> this is going to be an absolute mess but knock on wood like i have a few few little scars all around but nothing i've never been able to get out myself
0: yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah i mean i've I've it's like something like i've always wanted to try but like i don't want to like purposely just stick a hook in some myself or somebody you like i
1: know right yeah
0: but it's uh, funny
1: you say that because the first time i remember getting hooked really bad guiding i thought like oh i kind of always wanted to see like what this is like like not in like a weird way but i just thought because some guys like they're screaming and yelling they're making it look like it's so painful i remember- it sucks but it's nothing worth like screaming over right like, yeah stop you know, being a baby cry. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it's kind of like ooh, you know but but yeah, i know it's i don't know it's one of those things like if you're in the bush you got to be tough you know or stupid one of the <laughs>
0: yeah, or <a> combination <laughs> or a combination
1: of the two yeah, yeah that's me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like the little weird i was saying to my dad yesterday it's like when you when you're out there every day like you Accidentally learned so many things and so many little hacks that like like this summer I was I had a client that really wanted to fish for like a million pike and so I uh, I don't normally use jaw spreaders anyway I'll just kind of you know figure it out but basically uh, I don't know why but long and short of it I'm I'm holding the pike and I flip my middle finger inside its mouth and i figure i got a jaw spreader right here as they you're able to spread their jaws without even you know what i mean because those rows of teeth they don't go right back and so you know what i mean little things like that and the guys look at me they're like how are you getting right down in there i'm like you just flip them off you know what i mean (laughs) and then sure enough you can reach your pliers in no matter how deep they are and like that's like a little hack that you never would have thought of it's like you accidentally figure it out and you're like "Hmm, "Clever." because now guys if they have a deep pike or whatever they can open that mouth wide they don't need to have jaw spars they don't need to you know what i mean you're trying to they're like trying to pry it open it's like no none of that you know all right yeah
0: so. yeah um so as far as i guess a little bit on gear um what's the story about you you losing so many pliers i saw there on social that like you cannot keep a pair of pliers to save your life
1: yeah it's kind of a funny story like so when i first started uh first started with raffle they're like oh like you know what are some things you'd be interested in that we have and i'm like oh like i really need pliers like i'm really tough on because like sometimes i'll be out in the shop i'm like oh i just i really need a pair of pliers so i'll run down my boat and use my fishing ones and then you know they end up in the shop and then they end up getting lost or whatever but i uh i the first like substantial drop i would say was at Arctic when I I dropped my Oakley's and my pliers in the same day and everyone kind of started making fun of me. I thought, well, okay, I gotta be really careful. And then a couple months later I was ice fishing and I was in, I like going to the thrift store to see, you know, what little things you can find treasures. And I found this like bow tie, like this, like I call it a medallion. It's like this like cowboy. So I put it on my pliers and of course it was such a pain in the butt on the pliers, but I just loved it. And so I dropped them when I was ice fishing and a friend of mine said, can I jig your ice eyesight? And I thought, yeah, of course. And she caught them the next day when she was jigging the bottom. <laughs> I thought these are never going anywhere. And then this summer, um, I had them like, they were just sitting on the bench and, uh, sitting, I guess kind of half on the net, half on the bench. And one of my guests hooked onto like, like a gasp worthy smallmouth. We're all like, oh, Ooh, and he mm-hmm. jumped. So I went to go kind of grab the net all excited and the pliers were like, meow, <laughs> flying into the mud. And so I was like, guys, we need the fish. I'm like, I got to swim for him. So I, <laughs> tried to swim for him didn't get him i'm like uh for you know took five minutes not gonna happen right went back again and so i finally told grapple i'm like sorry guys but like i lost enough. it's just <laughs> embarrassing like i can't lose any more like i don't know 10 pairs like
0: yeah you need you need like one of the, like those like retractors you know on your the hip thing, or something i lose
1: those two like oh. i end up losing those two like because <laughs> i i fuss with them all day i'm standing there and then the elastic gets all worn out and the next thing you like or don't clip it on because 'cause I have multiple I just I'm terrible. I need I need help. Yeah. I don't know what to do.
0: <laughs> you need plier help.
1: Plier help plier plier therapy.
0: therapy.
1: I, I know. I was like, I need to find a way, like I'm just gonna tether like a pair to my boat, a pair to the ice shack and just tether them everywhere. Like and then have one floating pair if I lose them then
0: Yeah. Yeah. Always in it's arm's reach. Up. Yeah.
1: I'm right, I'm reaching in their budget pretty good. I feel bad. I'm gonna I have to make <laughs> some flyers next year. Yeah.
0: I think they'll. I think they'll be able to, to pass up a couple more pliers to you. I'm pretty sure. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But uh, say overall, like in terms of fish, like what's for per I guess this is like a two part question for you. What's your favorite fish to fish for? Whether you're fishing, I guess part one is like to guide for, but then also like what's your favorite fish to for you to like fun fish.
1: Um. So to guide for, I would say. I would say walleye just because I get to have fun looking at the live scope too. And, uh, you know what I mean? I'm able to sit there and be like, Oh, big one on bottom. And, and I don't kind of park and jig. I will go on the structure and kind of back troll really slowly around. And once I will locate a big walleye, sit there, jig it, catch it, and then kind of move on sort of thing. And so guiding wise, that's my favorite. And then personal fishing wise, it sounds insane, but I love fly fishing for brookies and Browns, which I like, literally like pictures of ones like this and those brought me more joy than like anything. Cause back at my, my family farm, like I could drive five minutes to little streams and find these teeny tiny little brookies, you know? And it just was just, to me, it was like little jewels, like little diamonds. It's like you're in the cedar bush and there's this little stream, which already is amazing. And there's vision there too. It's right. Just-
0: and these, these, these small, you know, like small, like, you know, palm size, colorful yeah. little trout that you never expect yeah. to be there yeah
1: and literally like and sometimes like yeah it's so overgrown that you could just be crawling your hands and knees and like oh you can just like cut my leader off and i'm just like dangling my fly with like just hand bombing it and like it's just like it's just silly and fun and and uh i just love it you know and i don't i can't think of literally the last time maybe like seven years ago that i was able to do it because where i live we don't have any really sh- too hot I live in the desert we don't the streams like that so. <laughs> yeah but I will, I'm going to, maybe this spring I'll fly out back to Ontario and do it. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's,
0: that's crazy. I, I wouldn't expect the dentist to be honest with you. I, I figured you would have said <laughs> bass or something like that. I would have never, you would have pulled out a fly rod with, with, with trout.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like, everyone's always surprised when I say it Cause like, but I go through phases, like I got a phase where I was like, must be crazy. And then, you know, but at the end of the day, like if I could choose what I'm going to do, like pack a backpack with the lunch, you know, a bunch of snacks and go down there and spend the day like by yourself and just quietly and see the wildlife sometimes pick some morel mushrooms get to forage at the same time and it's just amazing yeah love it
0: so as far as like fish and and the different kind like i saw on a social media post you had about talking about the lake grand slam what what are the fish in that did you consider in in the grand slam
1: so the grand slam is a smallmouth the largemouth bass the lake trout the muskie the walleye uh did i say the lake trout? yeah i yeah. said the lake show. and then the pipe and basically the guests want to try to catch oh and then the guys that are really picky say the perch is like the seventh you know <laughs> and so i have a lot of guests that come in with literally like signed contracts of like you know penny bets over you know biggest in each category or you know trying to get the grant whatever so right it's really fun but we have quite a few quite a few guests that are able to uh able to get all all six seven species and uh it's amazing you know to be able to say you caught one of each you know and on the same bait i had my one of my favorite guests bubba he did the grand slam on one silver shadow wrap the same bait he threw the whole entire trip
0: he's <laughs> i'm determined i'm gonna catch them all on this bait
1: yeah, yeah. He did, everything was on ice because he goes what should i change to to now fish for for pike i'm like i wouldn't you know just keep it on and then sure enough yeah his grand slam with that so yeah it's just kind of like this kind of like a silly kind of fun mission that everybody everybody has when they go you know
0: well i mean that's also like a big uh attribution to you as well where you're going to be able to provide that you know and have not the knowledge of the fish the knowledge of the water what to use where to go and like okay all right you caught your bass let's go over here let's go walleye okay you caught your walleye we're gonna go over here we're gonna pike you know um but yeah that's also pretty crazy to think that I guess not crazy, but there's that much variety of species in that lake that you can cover in that period of time. Like, how long is a fishing trip with you guys? Like, is it a week or? Some guys
1: do three days. Some guys do the longest I've ever had is I've had uh, guys for 10 days. Um, But most of the trips I'd say are three or four days. Um, The main lake yoke, you can get most of your species all in that main lake where the lodge is on. And then what I'll do is I'll portage them over to, we have a lake called Bluff Point and you need to kind of get your, you got to ride over Beaver Dam, get your boat over the Beaver Dam, ride up the river, park your tenor. And then you walk up a trail like 300 yards, maybe then there's another boat motor waiting parked on another lake. And then we go in there and, and that was like, for me, what I, what I love so much about where I, where I guide is one like you know being on just yoke it would get pretty boring pretty fast but to have all those other lakes you know those six other lakes but like the six lakes already have boats there's lakes that have fished that like you know i don't even know if they have a name you know you just hear you see them on satellite and think well, i'm just gonna bushwhack with the chainsaw and you know go in there at the kayak or whatever and mm-hmm. so yeah like it's just there's so many opportunities and like it was it's fun to be able to learn You know learn all those different areas say them oh you want lakers all right let's go to this spot on this lake here and i was like how do you know it's like well you just
0: you you learn learn it it. yeah
1: you learn yeah
0: yeah so like as far as like bushwhacking like do you do do you do that often trying to find new water for clients or so
1: i did it a lot like during covid i i did a lot like just because like we were able to have the time to do that you know but like um normally with guests like they're there for such a short period of time that you kind of have to kind of have to stick to the program, you know, like unless you have guys that, you you know, I've had some guests that I've guided four or five years in a row and they're like, Emily, take us on an adventure. Cause they know that, you know, they trust this, they know what we're going to do. Right. They know the expectation. So, uh, but yeah. And then I have other guests that are like, literally like you go to move off of one wall, I spot and they're like, no, 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 you know, we're, we're staying here and, and that's just what they want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would say like most, all of our portage trails to the lakes they're really cleared out like i'll i'll go in with the chainsaw a couple times a year anytime there's a windstorm and like we have it all cut out and it's like you know you can all your rods and gear so like it's hardly really wish you know like to be honest
0: so how do you get the boats like do you do you like drop them off by plane or do you like just drag them across land since you already have boats boats and motors there boats
1: have been in there so the boats have been in there for a really long time like way longer than i've been there but like I know like we carry the motors in. we have backpacks, we'll carry the motors in one by one, the nine nines and uh, all the Jerry cans and the lines. And typically like uh, Daryl he'll carry them and then I'll follow behind and carry, you know, two gas cans, like on a paddle, okay. like kind of on each side and then all the lines and the safety kits and uh, whatever. But those boats, like, I believe two options, either they're flown in, which I doubt it. Cause we don't have our own lodge plane um or they were brought in in the winter time like during the winter someone because the snowmobile trails all run to all those lakes so i would imagine they would just throw them on skids upside down and just take them in and just bring
0: them in and leave them there yeah that makes sense Yeah, yeah yeah
1: and then but we have like so in ontario you have to have like you have to have a boat cash like you know you can't just keep a boat anywhere you want even on that crown land you have to have a permit for it so we have like a legal amount number of boats we allowed to keep at each lake you know what i'm saying and they're all established kind of thing and they're marked and whatever so it's not like it changes like it's been the same for like 30 years or so
0: yeah that's cool yeah yeah so i guess kind of leaving the summer stuff in terms of getting an ice fish because you do a lot of ice fishing too Mm
1: -hmm. now
0: do you guide on that or is that just all like personal fun in the winter
1: so i so i always told myself, I'm never guiding for ice fishing. It's just my fun thing. It's just my off season thing. And then of course, now I (laughs) guide for it all winter. I started, uh, I remember reaching out to Baker's Narrows. I, I really enjoy, uh, uh, shooting coyotes and skinning them, uh, during the, the winter time in my area for, for fur and whatever. And, and, but we got so much snow this, this past winter, like you couldn't hardly even drive the truck down the roads and where I'm from, we don't normally get snow. So it's not like we had plows and snowmobiles and we were ready for it. So anyway, the hunting was just pretty well impossible. And I felt bad anyway, because all the animals were struggling, like they couldn't move, they couldn't hunt. So I just didn't feel right last Mm -hmm. year. And so I decided, well, rather than sit around, I'm going to see if I can, you know, apply somewhere to guide for ice fishing. And so I uh, applied to Baker's Narrows in Flin Flon, Manitoba. And uh, they told me they don't they don't need any guides right now because they weren't that, that busy at the time They're like but you know we know you from social media if you'd like to come out and fish and see the place and blah 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 which was such a nice change considering I used to beg people to like let me yeah. even work there you know so right. i was honored but then they call me back shortly after saying just kidding like bookings are getting really busy <laughs> you come in and work for two weeks i'm like of course i can you know i'd love to and that ended up turning into a couple months and now And then uh, i called they i said you know i think you could use my boyfriend daryl and they thought oh maybe you know help with maintenance and the odd thing here and there and so i called him to come over and so now we uh part of the baker's family and uh (laughs) the dogs the cat daryl and i and we're gonna go back uh i think early december or so and and apparently i have some requests so i gotta go back next year but Uh. i'm so happy to it's so much fun and It's the, it makes summer guiding feel like a vacation sometimes when it's minus 50 and trying to start your snowmobile, you know, it's like 536 in the morning, trying to start your sled and literally minus 50, 52 degrees, you know, like, it's like the ice is like thicker than than my height, you know? So you're running huge extensions. I have to stand on my snowmobile seat and like some of the guys, like the guests, they drill me another hole, drill me another hole. You're like, you don't understand. (laughs) It's going to take you another 40 minutes, you know, but but no it's it's just but the the fishing out there it's just incredible you know like the big lake trout and and uh it's just it's so fun and all and all the guys like the other guides i work with they're both amazing and it's like a big family you know mm-hmm. it's yeah
0: yeah i've never really done much ice fishing just because around here like the ice to me if i knew the ice was like thick like 4 feet kind of you know, okay i would do it but like a lot of yeah. people around here they're like yeah we got 6 inches. i'm like no, <laughs> no, I'm yeah, not going to exactly. go stand on that lake on six inches of ice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's knack- not
1: worth risking your life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got six inches. Well, it was below 30 last night, so we got another half inch, so we're good. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, and they're out there and like, oh, yeah, it might crack and pop and, you know, and you might feel a surge. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you know. Yeah
1: like not for me you gotta play it safe like i i i love to ice fish and like i'll be one of the first ones out there for sure but you have to be so safe like just because the ice is thick doesn't mean that it's like a good ice you know if you're gonna go out on thin ice make sure you're going out in like a a shallow bay or you know what i mean somewhere that you know that it's going to be safer rather than like where i fish in saskatchewan it's a river it's a south saskatchewan river so like i would never be caught dead going out there early ice season unless it's like in a little bay or you know what i mean a shallow shallow right. like, there's no way there's currents and gas bubbles and it's not worth dying like and i always say to guys like i obviously like catching fish and like killing stuff as much as the next person but you can't kill or get anything else if you're dead so like it's not even one trip isn't worth the thousands of others you'll get in the future you know like just be safe like yeah. don't be stupid like yeah don't be dumb like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so like yeah. how do you, how do you stay warm out there for being a all lot day of
1: layers a lot of yeah, layers a lot of layers and like you dress smart so like my i growing up on a farm like we had snowmobiles and play outside like crazy so like my i remember my parents like my mom would be tucking my scarf in you know under my snowmobile helmet like so tight to make sure i'm you know no air is getting in and so luckily you know growing up i kind of had an idea of how to dress dress warm but like a lot a lot of layers and like um heated insoles, heat, you know, heated, uh, grips on the snowmobile, heated visor on your, on your snowmobile visor. Cause it'll freeze instantly. Like you breathe once and it's just pure ice on the inside. And, and, uh, yeah, a lot of layers, but once I get out there, like, it's my job to drill all the holes, set up all the tents, do all the digging, you know, like the guys kind of just park their sleds and watch me, watch me work. So like, I'm managing your sweat is so hard for me. Like, as soon as I get there, I got to like strip down all my layers except for like a hoodie. And even though you're freezing, you know, you're going to be sweating, you know, digging and running around in two seconds. So trying not to like sweat in all your layers is very, very important because you'll be freezing. Like,
0: yeah, that, that's kind of what I was going to get at because like all the work you have to do to drill the holes and, and yeah. dig the snow away to get, to get to the ice. I mean, yeah, that's work. It's going to sweat. So, like, what's like your base layer? Like, what do you have? Have you found you know, like, like a good Merino is a good something to wick away or what works for you?
1: Merino's really good. And like, Merino's really good. And like, I, uh, I actually, my mom got me this, uh, like this kind of base base kind of long John heated, like kind of has long sleeve with holes from Mark's work warehouse. It's just like a Canadian kind of work store. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's super like budget friendly. And like, I love that stuff. I got it for snowmobiling when I was like, 15 and I still wear that as my base but like yeah like a merino wool or like any kind of kind of tighter kind of compression thermal base layer and then like try to avoid like like crappy materials like it's like some people will wear a million like cotton layers but then don't realize like that's you know what I mean it's not doing any good like it's like it's better to wear less quality layers and you know and and dress like that than to like be like okay another hoodie okay another hoodie another hoodie like you (laughs) know what i mean it just doesn't it's the worst way to do it yeah like i'll try to stick it to long like thermals and then another like pair of like whether it be like um i'm not supposed to be like track pants or like a pair of like really thick pajamas like those really fuzzy pajamas and then i like i have my strike master um snowsuit which is great you know a nice high bib and then i'll like i said have uh like a uh, two sweaters on like a really like a thinner one and then like a really thick thick hoodie and then my jacket but the issue is too is if you start putting on too many layers you can't move and like you're shoulder checking because you're taking guys out on the snowmobiles every day so like trying to shoulder check to see if i got my guys behind me i'm like i can't even <laughs> yeah. turn you know so yeah just kind of like i said kind of smart smart good material and uh layers but not too too many Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So have you ever tried like when you say like heated insoles, like like are you talking about like for feet, um, just like those like disposable eight hour things or do you have like something that's like electronic socks or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I have thermocells, and I was actually really lucky to pick them up at a yard sale for like next to nothing. And they're perfectly my size and in what they have a remote. And so basically I charge charge each insole and then I can hit my remote. But I try I don't use them in the morning like I don't. The trick for me is, is you don't engage all that heating stuff, like first thing, like you wait, you try to wait because you will be cold at first, of course, getting into your warm cabin. But as soon as you get moving, it's surprising how much you warm up and I'll use all those things like end of the day, you know what I mean? You're starting to get that chill because you've been on the ice for 12 hours and then I'll turn my heated boots on to go home. And it's just like heaven on earth, you know, (laughs) and those little hot hands, like, I always, always keep a million of those on me. And like, just for safety too, like, it's just so important to have dry socks in a bag, like in a Ziploc bag, in your backpack, on your person, like always have lighters, like multiple lighters on your person, in your backpack and matches, you know, always have an extra pair of gloves, like always, always have extra like hot hands. Like I have a fire starter. Like I have these little safety kits that I keep one of my sled like a mini one, like on my person in every snowsuit I have, one in my backpack, you know, one in my ice, my, my sled or whatever. Cause like, you don't like, you don't want to mess around. Like, and you see the guests, they get their snowmobile stuck in the slush. They're literally soaked. And it's like, we have 20 miles to go home. And so luckily I can be like, okay, put this, Plastic bags, you know. Put your plastic, your your plastic bag over your foot. Okay. Get your foot dry. Put another sock on. Put, you know what I mean. Like, so then at least you can have a dry option to get home with. But, like, people think, oh, we're only going like twenty miles away. We can just go back to the lodge. But I always, always, always have like a toe strap. Like, you know, just all these things. Like, you all, like, I always have those on me. Cause like when it's minus fifty, you're not gonna mess around. Like, oh, I'm not messing around. Like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Nobody caught.
0: wants to lose a foot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and it happens. Like, the week I was guiding there, there was some poor local boy a couple of lakes over that he got stuck in a slush. His buddy just kept going, didn't realize he fell behind. And he got two two booters, two soakers, and when he was trying to walk to the island. And then his gloves got blown away from the wind. He And he ended up losing all his extremities because of frostbite. He couldn't oh. start a fire because his hands were literally numb from you not know, having gloves on. And, like, it happens like that. So, yeah. You know? make sure like i always make sure like all my guys are you know staying close and you know making sure you gassed up do you have oil like do you have you know an extra extra belt for your snowmobile you know like just if you think about it you'll need it eventually
0: yeah so like for in those instances like you're saying like shoulder checking and things like that so do you have people riding on the snowmobile with you or do you have them driving their own
1: driving their own or renting a sled from us thank goodness um I, apparently i'm a little wild driver so one of my passengers are <laughs> like oh, but um no but uh we have everybody chaining kind of chaining behind me and a lot of the guests that we have out there are canadians that have all their own snowmobiles all their own ice huts they're just kind of coming out there you're the guide showing them the spot and helping them get all ready and blah 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 and so because when you go out there in the morning it's all dark and blah 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 so yeah yeah you're 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 leading all the guys and just making sure they 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 get there safe and normally i'll have like eight guys six guys at oh, wow. a time so it's a pretty fun big chain again. so
0: you got like a whole like a whole mini city of huts out there on the ice
1: <laughs> yeah well, yeah yeah exactly and it's fun because uh we we'll all kind of have our own little reef that that's working and you you look over and you see off in the distance a few little pops of color and you know you looks like they're just sitting in the middle of the lake but they're out you know on another reef or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah little tent cities.
0: yeah that's cool so um as far as just say guiding in general how has that kind of really kind of changed and shaped you as like an an as an outdoorsman or an outdoorswoman
1: um definitely it it's changed it well it's changed my life like in many ways like um i you know i met the love of my life i was guiding i took his job he was leaving for another lodge <laughs> and you know i met met uh, met darrell guiding and you know we were able to continue doing that together and uh, just i've learned like being forced to to hunt and fish when you don't necessarily want to when the conditions aren't favorable when you're exhausted like i i always thought like everyone makes fun of me like you're like a sloth like you need to sleep till you know 11 o'clock and whatever but now you know now i hated getting up early but now that i started guiding it's like you know it's when you're running on a couple hours of sleep and doing the waterfall thing and you know getting up and doing it time and time again and you have a terrible hunt and then guess what you got to go out that afternoon again and hope to god it's better it's like it's just made me so like so mentally tough i think you know it's just like i've been sitting there with guys that have flown across the country like spending so much money to go hunting We're sitting there and i'm like these birds aren't even gonna come you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's the most humbling experience yeah. but then the next that afternoon you go out with them again and then you just absolutely crush them you know what i mean it's like yeah just the good days and the bad days like it just it's made me appreciate and it's made me like <clears throat> appreciate other guys like other hunters and anglers so much like you see guys guiding for like sheep in the mountains and like i have friends that are still guiding for fishing right now because their seasons run until the end of september they've been there since may it's like mm-hmm. oh my gosh like you know it's like makes you really appreciate like like these guys are tough you know
0: yeah. The, the, the mental fortitude that it comes with guiding to go and grind day after day after day, it's definitely something that I think works and strengthens every guide. Once they, mm-hmm. once they realize and kind of accept that fate, like this is okay, this is what's going to have to happen. And this is what I'm going to have to go through. And it's just how it is.
1: Yeah. And a lot of guys, it's funny you say it. Cause like, like I had a guide quit on me, like the first 10 days in because he just was like, it's too hard. You know what I mean? And it's like, so many guys they think that they like to fish so they're going to like to guide but i say to them if you like to fish you're not going to really want to like to guide because you're going to sit there all day and watch people do what you want to do all day like for me i i love fishing but i love giving people those experiences that i know they're never going to be able to forget you know and like if i was younger and i had someone be able to take me out like that like i couldn't imagine you know like an experience you know so i just you know
0: yeah that's that's the guide thing that's the, that's that guide mentality that that we have of of just wanting to share that experience and, and take people on adventures so they can live and experience things that they probably wouldn't have ever had the chance to do without you being there
1: it's true and like to think that you can make that happen like looking back at like little emily you know when we go camping i'd be the only one out there trying to like cast like I die I would get my snorkel and like find lures at the bottom of the logs and like climb the trees like that was my tackle box you know what I mean like never got to buy any stuff or whatever and it's like to think that that little Emily now is able to be so dialed and take people out you know I had a guest this summer actually he's my one of my last guests of the season and uh we get in the boat and he's like I'm here for 10 days and I uh and uh you know you're guiding me every day I'm like oh that'll be great and and he goes i saw you actually on youtube i'm like oh really like you know that's pretty cool it's not really a big channel that's cool you saw and anyway he goes not to be a bum or anything he goes but i'm dying i'm like what do you mean like we all are he goes no he goes i have terminal cancer right now I'm. he goes i'm this oh, is wow. one of my you know he goes i don't know how long i got he goes like i got over it you know 15 years ago and now it's my you know my other kidney i have no other options it's spread you know all over my body and i i so he's like, but I saw you on YouTube and like, I really want to fish with you. And I, to me, like, I just like, I never would imagine that like someone like would ever want to be like, fit like spend time with me that far, you know, like it's just yeah. unfathomable. And like, we had the best trip I've ever had with anybody, you know, like he just like just such a nice guy and like whatever. And like, I shed a lot of tears. I was like, sorry, if uh, I'm sure.
0: I'm like, 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 like I know. I like
1: you. I said to him i'm like the more i like you dude the more i'm gonna cry because like you know every day i like the more and more i'm like oh you know but you know i have a friend for life now and i was able to give him that experience he came out for and like we did so well it's not even funny and so i'm just like to me like i didn't ever think that that like everyone kind of thinks his guiding is like a delinquent job almost especially our parents or so you know, <laughs> yeah. like why do you want to do that yeah. hard yeah, yeah but it's like you know it you change people's lives and they changed my life you know
0: oh yeah I mean that that experience it' it of of the stories and the friend that you make along the way guiding and sharing those experiences like that's why we do it and you can't you can't it's sometimes it's really hard to put into words about yeah about you know the relationships you build and and the ones you make it's just that that's why we do it it's just it's a serviceable industry it's like kind of goes back to like how you started going to go into college and like hospitality you yep. know it it's. You know, we, in a way, we kind of live to serve is, is the best way to put it, and and we yeah. enjoy it, you know.
1: And in the fr- like, I as you know, like the friendships you make, like I say to the guys, like there was a long time where I was like the black, you know, the fishing guide, the black sheep, you know, and whatever. And it's like these guys, like they're my family, like they're I just love them so much. Like my, you know, you have the guests leave, and you don't even sometimes you don't even think you connected that necessarily that hard, but then. Soon as you know, you get chatting after they leave, and it's just you know, it's just there's so many people that I said to Daryl, I'm like, our wedding is gonna be full of our guests, like it's not <laughs> even the family, it's just me, all of our guests there, cheering a song because I just, yeah, it's just the guys, they're just so amazing, you know, and we all just share the same passion deep down, and it's like being around the same breed of dog almost. It's like we're all the same type of dog, and finally, like we're all together as a pack, you know? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just all about those experiences because, like, whether you're catching a fish or whether you're, you know, you're hunting an elk or or whatever, it's, to be part of that moment with somebody, that's a moment in their memory, like, I often, like, think about, like, you know, with me having kids, I don't know if you saw that, that, I think it was a Pixar or Disney, but, like, Inside Out about, uh yeah. Yeah. you know, that, like, you just created a core memory with this person. Yeah, a core memory. Yeah, yeah that yeah, they're yeah, always exactly. going to remember and they're always going to, like, they're going to see a picture and they're and they're going to think of you and think it and just everything's going to flood back and that and that memory is going to replay in them over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it, it's and to know like, you know, all of us, you know, all this is an unconventional job. We've all gone through struggles within it and to get to all, you know, where we all are, whether it be with family or friends or, cause we're always gone. We're never, you know, accessible, you know, it's a hard, definitely like a, unless you know, you're lucky enough to find someone who does the same thing. Like it's a, pretty lonely and solo run you know like a lot of people aren't going to understand it a lot of people are going to question it you know like i have a lot of people saying well you know when you move on from guiding and start doing you know a real job or whatever and it's like you know it is like people yeah. unless for
0: some people you know, it is your real job yeah
1: tim and that's how you say i'm like this is something for me like i could never imagine myself not guiding like this is just the passion and a calling and it's a craft like it's you know like, it's a skill
0: just like anything else
1: just like anything else, you know, and it's definitely like, I would say it's a dying craft too. Like it's, I noticed for myself trying to hire staff for some of the lodges, like you can't really find anyone who wants to necessarily like work for the team. Like they want to come because they want to like catch a lot of fish for themselves or like whatever, but they don't want to come. Cause like, I want to make the lodge a better place, you know? So it's hard to find people that have that team mentality and that passion. Like I say to my guides, I find where the fish are biting. I come home and I put on the whiteboard and I tell everybody, it's no secrets. Like us guides, we work for the guests. We're all together on a team. We're all, you know, what no secrets. Like if the guys say I saw you there, I go I'll park you right there. You know what I mean? It's no spots or secret. Like mm-hmm. just try to help each other out and give each other the best experience possible.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, a couple more questions. Here's an oddball question for you. I was like throwing like weird one, but like, what's Love your fa- What's your favorite snacks during the day?
1: Okay. What, what do you mean? Like in general?
0: Yeah, well, well, I guess in general, but also when you're out hunting and fishing, what, what what are your go-to snacks to keep you comfortable?
1: Okay, so I really, really like – this is so weird. But, like, I really like green olives, and I really
0: <laughs> – I
1: like – hey, this is sorry. I really like, like, anchovies and crackers. Like, I really like anchovies and crackers. And we are lucky enough to, like – if I'm not making shore lunch, then – we have to uh, like that we get sandwiches and like personally, like I'll always order like, you know, three sandwiches of PB and J for breakfast and then two savories for the afternoon. But, uh, or if it's like full breakfast at the camp, I'll do a thing called pocket pocket breakfast, which a lot of guides do this in the fishing world is called like pocket bacon. You get chef to like get a bunch of bacon, you wrap it in tinfoil and you just put it in your pocket and you just eat it later on during the day. But, I took that a bit further and I get the chef to make me a mini big thin pancake. And then I roll like six pieces of bacon in it and use like syrup for like the sauce. And then you make like a burrito and put it in your pocket when you're running across the lake, you know, you can pull out your, your Your, snack.
0: Yeah. That's a,
1: that's like a weird one, but it's a good go-to. So, you know, you can just, it's like a little breakfast burrito.
0: Yeah. A little pancake bacon burrito kind of deal yeah
1: yeah because it's too busy breakfast you know like you're running around making sure you know making sure everything's good you know so it's like you don't want to sit and eat personally i don't want to sit and eat breakfast so i'll just take her to go
0: yeah i don't i don't it's almost like breakfast is like the hardest meal to eat when you're a guide. Cause like
1: I know. you, you,
0: you kind of like want to sleep to the, like, the very last minute, but then like, the you know, you got to get up, seconds. you know, you got, I got to get up and I got to do all this stuff and make sure everybody's ready and get them all ready to go. And next thing you know, like they're ready, standing at the boat or standing at the horse ready to go. And you're like, okay, I guess I don't have breakfast. Oh, yeah. But
1: you know what kills me as a guy? Go- like what kills me? I say, like, don't hurry up and wait me. I'm like, if you're going to be sitting at my boat at 7:30 when we started eight, you better be ready. Like, if I come down and you have no water, no sunscreen, <laughs> the rods are not ready. Like, you should not be sitting in my boat making you feel guilty. Like, be right. in your cabin, get everything ready. Like, you sit, and they have been sitting in the boat for a half hour. You feel terrible. Meanwhile, you're busy doing, you know, other things for the other guests. You get out there, and their reel's not even on their rod yet. I'm like, what have you been doing sitting in my boat for the last half an hour? <laughs> like,
0: Watching ahead. you work is what I've been doing. <laughs> I know. They love it.
1: They're just it like no no not all the people very few but i say the guys that do that like i roll my eyes i'm like i'm sorry but like come on like (laughs) i had all this time you made me feel terrible and now you're not even ready we're sitting on top of walleye
0: all right (laughs) yeah and then you just kind of sit there and just stare at him with like i call it like the dad stare like come on
1: (laughs) oh yeah Oh oh i mastered that oh yeah it's just like the and they can tell that you're just like Kind of waiting, kind of tapping, kind of looking through the graph, like you know, right. setting, you know, like whatever. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of sometimes it like I call it herding cats. Yes. Like, come yes. On, like, let's go, everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, it's definitely sometimes it's like herding cats, getting everything around at the same time for sure. Yeah. So, what's kind of the best way for people to get hold of you? Like, internet, Facebook, Instagram. How can people find you?
1: i would say instagram is the easiest way my face i have a facebook page but it's literally just linked to my instagram so it's at m72 e triple m 72 and uh yeah just any please send me a dm on there like i don't have my notifications on so if you're a hunter angler and you follow me please send me a message and i'll follow you back and we can chit chat and stuff you know when i have some time but i feel bad I have people follow me i would never follow me back well i didn't realize you know so Anyway, just
0: send me a message if you want chat. All right, cool. But yeah, well, hey, this has been great. You know, um, I I'm, I know I've got more questions for you, but I know I kind always, you know, wanted to do about an hour of your time today. But I definitely think we should probably catch back up some other time, some more fishing. I definitely want to touch on some waterfowl stuff as well. Um, I'm pretty sure you got some crazy stories with that, as huh. you know, as most waterfowlers do. But uh, thanks for coming on. It this has been great. I really enjoyed it.
1: No, me too. I appreciate you having me, and uh, it's been really, really fun. I don't get to chat with people much other than when I'm working, so I always enjoy some social contact.
0: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) There you have it, folks. Another great conversation full of informational nuggets. Hope you pulled a few out for yourself. Be sure to give Emily a follow on social media, and you'll see that she's already putting clients on limits of waterfowl. One of the things I like to try and start doing um, is maybe doing like an outfit or highlight with each episode at the beginning that kind of features a photo and a short story of somebody's experience. So this is not just limited to outfitters and guides. This is open to, you know, anybody who've been on a trip and have something to share. It could be uh, something great. It could be something that went wrong or something that an experience that you just want to share that uh, somebody can learn from good or negative. Um, Doesn't have to, it can be hunting or fishing related doesn't really matter. I'm just looking for like a short story uh, where we can learn whatever. So if you got something in mind, reach out via Instagram at theguidesessions or you can email me at jim at theguidesessions.com. With that said, be sure to visit my website, theguidesessions.com, to get help planning your next adventure. And be sure to get signed up so I can send you all the emails for the discounted and cancellation hunts or fishing trips. Again, thank you for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. So, until next time, enjoy your adventure.